Welcome to the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Here you will find powerful messages from our ministry founder and president, Patrick Baker. You will also hear interviews and testimonies, all designed to encourage God's people to come higher in Christ Jesus and experience true power in Him. Join us every week on our prayer line every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. and Tuesday and Friday nights at 7.30 and 9 p.m. respectively. All times are Eastern Standard Time. And now, without further ado, sit back and enjoy the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to another Button to Christ Ministries Bible Study Thursday, where we go through the Word of God and we see how it can change our lives for the better. As we behold Christ, we become changed. My name is Sister Michelle, and tonight, as I already said, that we're going to have a Bible study, so please let your family and friends know that there will be a Bible study tonight. And without further ado, we're just going to open up with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we praise you, we thank you, we magnify your name. You are so good and so awesome to us. You've allowed us to come through the week thus far. We're at Thursday, Lord, and another Sabbath is just around the corner. How awesome you are. Forgive us and cleanse us from all iniquity. And allow us to come before you clean, our linens freshly washed. And as we come and abide with you, I pray that you will be with the presenter tonight who is doing the Bible study, that you will bless her and that you will keep her, Sister Marilyn, and that every word that comes out of her mouth will not be her own, but it will be your promises that are held high and that will not return onto you void. So prepare her mind, prepare her heart, prepare her emotionally, physically, spiritually for the word in which you have commanded her to bring forth tonight. Bless the listeners, I pray. As they come on, I ask that their hearts and their minds, their ears will be attentive to your word tonight. May you be glorified. May you be praised. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray. Amen. Amen. So welcome one and all once more to tonight's Bible study. We'll now have the opening song by Sister Isabella. Amen. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope you are all blessed by the opening song. Amen. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear. 
join ye in God's adoration. Praise to the Lord, who are all things so wondrously Isabella for that song of praise and brethren at this very time we are going to open up the line to sister Marilyn who is going to be bringing us the Bible study for tonight so please grab your Bibles pens and and paper whatever you need to take notes amen some people use their phones because they're high tech and they just jot the notes down in their phone whatever you need Take some notes because the Bible study is on its way. Welcome and happy Thursday, Sister Marilyn. Please do remember to press star star to unmute your line. Okay, hello. <laughs> Good hello, yes, we can hear you now. Amen. <laughs> I was setting star six, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so thank you for reminding me, star, star. Good evening, everyone. It is indeed a wonderful day, a sunful day, and um, I'm feeling glad. I'm feeling happy. Um, though everything isn't going great, I'm still praising God, all right? 
Thank you, Sister Isabella. That was lovely. And thank you for the prayers, Sister Michelle. Thank you so very much. All right. Tonight, we are going to start our discourse um, looking at a little bit about Paul and Barnabas. Um, but before I start, I just want to usher us into a word of prayer. Dear kind loving Father, who art in heaven, as we go through this lesson study this evening, Almighty God, I pray, Lord, that you will use me, that, Father, you, you use my mouth as your mouth means. You will speak to my heart on whatever you want me to say, Father, that is what will come forth. For I avail myself to you now. And I say, Father, you see to do your will. Let everyone listening on this line, dear Father, understand more about this relationship, understand more about mentorship, understand more about forgiveness, understand more about love. Father, we thank you for this discourse that we have this evening and this privilege that you have afforded us to gather together to praise and worship your name. Thank you, Lord, for leading us. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I will start our discourse this evening, and we can look at Acts 9, verse 26 to 30. So Acts 9, verse 26 to 30, that's our first section that we are going to look at. And it says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So just a little backstory. We know that the conversion of Saul took place on the road to Damascus because we know that he was a persecutor of the Jews and, and of the Christians. And he just did not, he, he was just going to papers on his way to Damascus. And he was just going to, I can just see him piling charges and, 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 and getting whoever he could in jail. So whatever, he was just on his mission. And God met him on that road and he, he, he was changed. And so now the disciples were suspicious that, I mean, really, this is the same Paul you're coming to us with? Na, 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 na. We're very suspicious. And at this point in time, it's hard for us to accept him. This is the man who, who, who watched Stephen die for crying out loud, who, who, who sent Stephen to his death. So no. But then verse 27, we read a little bit further. And we see where there was this man, Barnabas. It reads, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so here we see Barnabas who is saying, no, guys, listen to me. I have heard Paul speak loudly. I have heard him preach how he was on that road to Damascus and how Jesus took hold of him and changed him. And so Barnabas was there to, to, to speak on his behalf. And verse 28 continues, and it says, 
and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. So here we see that Barnabas, you know, is willing to take Paul under his wings, is willing to say, look, let us, let us forgive Saul, you know, for what he has done. He is not that man before. He's a different person. And so we see here that the, the training started, that, that Barnabas was a good mentor to the mentee Saul. And he, he led him and directed him in, in, in his ways, in the ways of the Lord. And so too, you know, I just want to pause at this point and say, we, there are many, we're in this church, we're in, all in this, um, this, this, this struggle together. We're all at different rungs on the ladder. There are some of us who have a, a closer walk with Christ. There's some of us who know more of the Bible. And there's some of us who are just young and can't manage the hard food as yet. And so we have to realize that there are different people with different talents and at different levels in our, in our churches. And as such, there are times too when we know of someone who, who, who has done wrong or who was doing wrong and skeptical, you know, when they, when they come into the church and when they say they have found Christ, sometimes very skeptical. And, and, and we, we say, no, they're immature, they're young, and, and they're not ready for this yet. And so it's not time. We remember just, just, just a couple of months ago that they were, they were at the club or they're at the bar or, 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 or they had several um, affairs or several men or several women. And no, 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 no. But we see here that we need mentors. We need mentors um, who are willing to take younger folks, you know, those not mature in Christ yet under their wings like Barnabas took Saul, you know, and to be able to speak up for them and to, to lead them and to mold them into the way of the Lord. So we're going to go on to Acts 11 now, and we're going to look at 25 and 26. And it says, Then they departed to Barnabas, then, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves at the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And so we see that they became a powerhouse, a powerhouse, a power couple, right? That a whole year, and they preached about Christ, 
and, 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 and Barnabas was, was there molding him and training his mentee. And they were a powerful duo, right? And that the, the, these were the first disciples now that we see in Antioch. All right. Now, moving on. So we, we, we are going to turn to the next reading, Acts 13, and we're going to look at verse Uh, Acts 13, verse 13. Let's see if that's the one I want. Okay. Acts 13, verse 13. So just for the background, there are now on their ministry, um, uh, and, and, and they're going on and, 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 and they are being, their hands were, hands were laid on them. The people blessed them and sent them forth. And if we even look at, before we go to that one, if we even look at chapter 12, Acts chapter 12 and 25, it says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So now someone else has entered into the picture, Mark. Mark has entered under the wings, and we can we can say that John Mark was 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 a younger a younger fellow, right? A younger fellow, new in the ministry as well, right? And he started working with Barnabas and Saul. Several things happened while they're on their journey, and one of the things that we see happen is that. Um, when they went into in, into a place called uh, whether it was Antioch or whatever, there was a sorcerer, right? And he was saying all kinds of evil things about these apostles, and we can see that darkness was upon him, and and and, and the disciples, you know, Saul, you know. Uh, said, you know, that he'd be a curse. And immediately, um, I think he was a mist fell around um, Elimeas, the sorcerer, and he was, darkness fell about him, and somebody had to lead him by the hand, so he was smitten with blindness. So I'm just giving that backstory because when we read Acts 13, verse 13 now, we see that it says, now when Paul and his company loosed from Satan, so then when they left there, they went to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, remember I said we see Barnabas, and we see Saul, and we see Saul being trained by Barnabas, and we see how the year of missionary work that they did, and we see John Mark joining in the effort, and then we see them meeting the soldier, and they must have come upon many other things during this time, and for what reason John Mark left, we really do not know. But this becomes a mark of contention. This becomes something of worry. And so we are going to look now at Acts 
15, verse 36 to 41. So for what reason John Mark left? Maybe some will say, oh, you know, the seeing evil spirits and demons being cast out, and it was just too much for John Mark. Maybe he didn't believe with um, some of the things that he may have seen Saul doing, and he opposed it, and out of frustration, he left. Maybe it was that he was just young and immature, and and some things really shocked him and frightened him, and, and he just couldn't take it, and he just went back to Jerusalem. But whatever the reason, we know from reading Acts 15, 36 to 41, that there was a turning point. Let us look at the turning, turning point here. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention brethren, was so sharp between them. That is, the contention was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas, right? That they departed asunder from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. This is deep. This is deep. I can see several things happening here, and I just want to break it down. Here is Paul, who was mentored by Barnabas. By Barnabas. Now we see the it says in the Bible so sharp the contention. The disagreement was they didn't have light words for each other, brethren. They were arguing. The contention was so sharp as it is put in the King James Version. Right? And what was it about? Because John Mark, Paul said, no, we are not taking John Mark on this mission. No, we're not. For the last mission, he abandoned us and he went on his own way. I'm not trusting such a, such a one again on this journey. What if he does the same thing again? Oh, no, I'm not going to put up with it. And Barnabas is saying, come on, Paul. No, don't, don't look at it like that. For whatever reason, you know, he left. But he can come along with us this time around. But Paul, he was not having it. And so too, brethren, many times, many times, 
we're disappointed by people in our own churches who when we expected them, you know, to come through with us, to do something. We planned a program and, and we expected them to be there and they weren't there. And, 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 and we're disappointed by those folks. That when another chance comes around, we say, oh, no, we can't use that person. Oh, no, we can't use that person. I think for a moment, Paul forgot where he was coming from. Paul forgot that he needed Barnabas, and he forgot just how Barnabas mentored him, just how Barnabas was able to speak for him. I think for a moment he forgot the grace he was given. Just for a moment he forgot that he got that grace. For brethren, the people could have discarded, could have done away, could have not believed him. But Barnabas stood up for him. And here at this point, I think. John Mark needed someone to stand up for him. But Paul was not in his corner. But thanks be to God, Barnabas, being the mentor he was, he took John Mark under his wing. And then he was able to continue the work of the Lord. So many times we may see younger folks are not maybe being equipped enough. They, they're so frivolous with some things, the way they go about things. For example, um, there's one young lady that, um, that I know, and she has started her Instagram post, and she's talking about, um, from the Adventist Church, and she's talking about, you know, just some of the the hard things, some of the very hard topics. She 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 she's talking about them. But there's something that she did the other day. She um she had uh someone who who was a lesbian come on her show, on her Instagram program, and. Had her talk about, you know, how dejected she felt by the church, growing up in the Christian community. And there were many who attacked her. Many, many, many people attacked her. And said, why would she have done this? She is condoning that. And when I looked at it, I realized it may not have been done in the right way. But it was a learning process. For this lady, and what she didn't need at this time was attacked. She did not needed to be attacked. She needed some guidance and mentoring. And thank God there were those of us who said to her, "You are on the right path, but you just need to know that there's some things that we're going to have to do differently." And she was receptive of that. 
But then the ones who condemned her, it was like she was about to give up. Give up this work. And it's a beautiful work that she's doing. So, brethren, what I'm saying is that there are times when we will make mistakes. There are times when we will, we will do things and it seems right to us, but we maybe didn't involve the Holy Spirit and, and we did something that wasn't right. Like John Mark, he, 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 he walked away from, at a time when, when they were spreading the gospel and they needed him. And so when we think about it, we realize that we too may have encountered others or we ourselves may have done such things. And so we realize that it is at this time that we need to express patience with one another, love with one another. We're not condoning the wrong, but the way in which we speak to each other must be in love, must be in love. And so I am glad that for John Mark, there was a Barnabas that was able to take him under his wings and say, look, man, though you did not complete the first mission with us, I am putting my trust in you again, and I want to mentor you, for I know that you can do this thing. I know that together with Christ, we can spread the word of God. I can also take another spin on this little story. And I can show you where Paul and Barnabas separated. Yes, they have their cause. But in spite of that, we see where Paul took on a mentee, and this was Silas. And out of this, out of this disagreement, they continue to remain faithful to the Lord, brethren. Out of this disagreement, they still continued to go on to the other cities. They still continued to preach Christ. So there are times when we may not agree eye to eye with one another in exactly how the mission is to be carried out. But know that the mission will be carried out nonetheless. And what the devil may have meant to say, yes, he has now put a smoke in the tire. Yes, he has punctured the work of Christ. Yes, he has brought some bitterness into this whole situation. And he is laughing because he thinks he has got the victory. Brothers and sisters, we see that it is not so. It is not so. For the work of the Lord continued. And many people were brought, were brought to Jesus Christ. So in our own lives, let us, even
even if we don't, because we, we are different individuals. We're all different. And we're, it's, who wants to be the same like everybody else anyway? That's boring. God made us with all these different unique qualities and all these different gifts for us to work together. And it, there will be disagreements. There will be some who say, should we have the prayer first or should we have the song first? And some will say, no, let's do the song first. But, but it's, it's better we do the prayer because the prayer is going to hone in the Holy Spirit. And, and we see that, but this is no reason to stop the work of God. The work of God will prevail. And so when it says we come in one accord, it's not that we won't have different ideas. It's not that sometimes we won't have disagreements. But it's that we need to realize that sometimes personalities are so strong. So I could see that um, Saul, I could see that Saul at this point had grown, had grown so much that even now, he didn't need a mentor anymore. The mentor, the, he didn't, he, the, the mentee had now become the mentor. And so too it is when you grow in Christ, when we are young, we need that mentorship and guidance. But there comes a time when we have to mentor someone else where we can't expect every time to be going back. No, we will grow up. We will grow up. And then that person who we train will grow up in Christ. And then they will train another. And the work will continue. Because brethren, we do not want the rocks to cry out. We do not want the rocks to cry out. We want to preach the word of God. There are people who are dying. There are people who are suffering. There are people who are yearning to know something else. To want something. There are people who are desiring a difference in their lives. And so we need to mold others. We have been, if we have been trained, let's not think that every time now um, we need to go back to the one person and burden the one person, but let's recognize that we have been trained now. We need to take someone else under our wings. And then I would just like to Look at the ending part that, yes, they had bitter words. They parted. Um, we see where John Mark left with Barnabas, and we see where Paul left off with Silas. But I will say to you that I want us to turn to Colossians 4, verse 10. Colossians 4, verse 10.
Okay. So it reads. And this now um, is like the last part of Paul's ministry. Right? So Colossians 4, verse 10. Um, it reads, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring, laboring fervently for you in prayer, that we may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And just look back at verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister, son of Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandment, if he come unto you, receive him. Now, this is from the New King James Version. And I just want to read it from the um, New Living Translation. So just give me a moment. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Um, Colossians 4, verse 10. And here it reads, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. This is Paul in his final instructions and greetings. Right? This is what he says about the same John Mark. So we see that Paul recognizes that, listen, this John Mark, let me tell you, he is one to be reckoned with. He is a follower of Christ. And when you see him come your way, you welcome him. Isn't that amazing? This same John Mark. Now we're going to look at Second Timothy 4, verse 11, and see what else Paul has to say. Second Timothy 4 and verse 11. It reads, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here is the same Paul recommending the same John Mark. So at some point, whatever it was, whenever it was, he must have realized that, hey, this John Mark is indeed a fine fellow. 
It tells me, let us not cast off anyone, brethren, no one at all. For we never know, we never know just how mightily God is able to use them. We never know when and where. Give each one the opportunity. Give them the opportunity. There are those who will just rise. And so let us provide opportunity for our youth, for those who have come into our church, for those who are young in the faith, to do things, to do things for Christ. To, 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 to use their talents for Christ. For we know, we know just as in this story, that where we see the progression, that Paul in the end is saying, he will be helpful to me in my ministry. God has called each and every one of us. We're at different stages on the rung of that ladder. We're all at different stages. It's not for us to look down on anyone, but it's for us to realize that we all have the potential. We all see potential in others. And we see the talents that they have. Let us use them. Let us allow our children to pray, to sing, let us use, let them, let them give them the opportunity to minister during worship. Give them the opportunity to read the scripture. Give them the opportunity to pray. Give them the opportunity to exercise their faith, to walk with God. And those who are new in the ministry, give them the opportunity to sing, to 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 to. to, to to help out at the food bank, to give them opportunities to minister. For God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And let us remember that God can use us no matter the state in which we are. Brethren, we have come to the end of our Bible study tonight. I do hope, I really do hope and pray that you have understood a little bit more just how God wants to use each and every one of us and how he will equip us for whatever journey we are on. He will equip us. He will give us the survival tools we need to overcome so that in the end, in the end, we will be totally used by him. Hand over to you again, Sister Michelle. Amen. Praise God, Sister Marilyn, for that Bible study in regards to Paul and John Mark and all of them coming together. There's this some dissension there and then 
coming back to get in the mentorship. And we're definitely going to open it up um, to the lines. But before we do that, I have some questions for you, Sister Marilyn, because um, oh, we're cool. talking about some young people, you know, so opening mm-hmm. it up to the young people. But there are some young people that are so closed in. And, you know, you mm-hmm. may ask them a couple of times to do something and they don't pay you any mind. How do you reach mm-hmm. ones like that? And, and, and so it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy task. And so I often say that pray before we approach. And so allow the Holy Spirit to, to move before you go. So it's like I always say before I approach, I, I, it's like I know I'm going to hear, no, I do not want to do this or no, I do not want to do that. But before I approach, I pray and I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, go before me. Go before us. We, we want to we see the potential of this young man, this young woman. And pray and, 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 and ask God to, to open the path, to, to help you to say it in such a way that it doesn't feel like um, they're being pressured because many young people feel that they're being pressured, that they're not ready, and they don't realize the gift that they have. So my approach is always like, pray before so that the Holy Spirit can just lead you in the way you ask, in the way you say it. And most times it starts off with like a friendship, a friendship, getting to, to know them, to know their desires. Because even my own children, sometimes I'll say, okay, you do this tonight. And, and, and they'll give me the fight, much less. <laughs> so we know that there, there is that, 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 that um, stubbornness sometimes on their part. And, and sometimes we just have to let them be too and grow as they, as, 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 as they see and, then, and, and, and keep praying for, or you keep praying for those young believers in Christ, keep praying for them um, that they will just use their talent for Christ. Amen. And I like the way that you spoke about approach, you know, because sometimes our approach to the young people may not always necessarily be the best approach. Mm-hmm. You know, some may come mm-hmm. off very demanding and say, oh, you must do this mm-hmm. or else type deal. Mm-hmm. And there's no mm-hmm. love. You mentioned love in how mm-hmm. you would approach or how you would speak to an individual. And but we also face the fact that there are some people in the church that are not willing to give up their yeah. position. They mm-hmm. have been doing this for years. years. And no, nobody's going to move them. So, and they find mm-hmm. it hard to give up. And then when they say, okay, let this young person do it, the young person may be willing, and then they may miss a mark on one thing, and then they're mm-hmm. come down on so hard, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are turned away from doing something more in the church. So what can you say then to the people who have been seasoned in church? And you know what? It's time for you to let the young people come because they're the next generation. What can you say to those that may be feeling, you know what? I don't know if I want to let it go. Amen. Uh, Before you answer that, Sister Merlin, I could could just uh, partially answer that as well in Mm -hmm. regards to... um, you have to remember where you're coming from. Yes. Remembering where you're coming from is a big part to play with your your the way you address people, the way you do, because you can't think that, okay, now you're on the right path. 
Now you're living that holy, righteous life that the Lord calls us to live. You can't forget that you were probably in that person's shoes or that situation. So Mm -hmm. then that would kind of pull you back to say, you know what, don't think that you're holier than thou or, you know, per term or you're more righteous than that person because it's not by works. And sometimes by we doing, um, doing a lot, meaning like we're out there, you know, witnessing to people or, you know, just doing, uh, applying ourselves to the task that Lord calls us to. Sometimes we might think that we are better, but yet mm-hmm. we are not better because it's not by works that any of us can boast, but the mm-hmm. free gift of God. So praise ye the Lord. Yeah. And then we look back, you know, and we see that um, Saul, you know, just needed that moment to step back and realize that he too needed mentorship. So at this time, it wasn't, you know, to just give up on someone like that. We often do that. We forget. We forget where we are coming from. And so we need to remember in our walk with Christ, we need to remember when we were babies. We need to remember when we were having milk and we couldn't digest or eat those hard foods that get. We need to remember. And so we need to pass on that and have that patience to deal with others. And though they may mess up, you know, not come down with that rod of iron, but be as merciful as Jesus is to each and every one of us, even right now. Amen. Amen. Some powerful points there. We ought not to come down with the iron rod, brethren, and we need to remember where we are coming from to be successful mentors. We need to remember that when we were babies in the church, there may have been somebody that led us. You know, we have to share some of our tips, share some of the things that we have learned over the years to encourage our young people. Praise the Lord, Sister Marilyn. I'm going to open up the lines now, brethren. Is there anybody on the line that may have a comment or a question in regards hi, sister, to... Ma- hi, Sister um, Michelle. Hi. Amen. Hi, Thank Sister Candy. Thank you, Sister Marilyn. Hi. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if mine would be a comment or a testimony, but um, this has a lot to do we're talking about mentor and the young kids in the church and how to get them involved. My children um, were raised in the church and I did family worship. And as they got older, my son was taken under someone's wing in the church, very prominent orchestra in the church, and um, I believe my son might have been 18 at the time. And him, because my son liked drama, he majored in drama, and he got him so involved with um, the nativity and just a lot of things, open opportunities for my son to travel to Africa, you know, and... um, my son would watch him at church and said, Mommy, I want to be an orchestra just like this individual. Mm-hmm. And I thought, cool. You know, and he looked up to him. And um, it got to the point where this individual allowed my son to drive his 
BMW. And my son was so taken back. And you can, you know, see the proudness on his face and just the, like, somebody um, accepted him. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with my son's father not really being there. Um, and so this individual took my son with him to somewhere for um, something that was taking place, and it was a hotel. And when they got there, they got settled in. And this individual, I did say he was a very prominent seven-day Adventist, tried to seduce my son, tried to rape my Mm -hmm. son. Mm -hmm. And my son was beyond himself because he was not expecting this. And that there damaged my son from uh, believing that there is a God that cared because this man was in the church. And Mm -hmm. it just caused him to lose the taste of anyone in the church with such a position that will do such a thing. My son wasn't the only one, you know, he did do this to Mm -hmm. a lot of other guys in popular, popular universe, Adventist universities. And I was so outraged and just so hurt and, and, and broken all over again, because I understood what my son was going through. And, um, I, I felt hopeless because there was nothing that I can do, nothing that he needed me to do. And he's like, Mom, I'll handle it. And today, mm-hmm. you know, my son does not want to attend church, church. Um, because mm-hmm. he just can't seem to wrap his head around people in church who say one thing and do another, who would not allow him to speak when he had questions that he wanted to ask, you know, he would always get the brush off, oh, Pierre, you know, just basically accept what I say. And my son is very analytic, and he's like, no, I, I can't accept this. I'm asking a question. I deserve a, a, an answer. And mm-hmm. one day he and I were in the car, and, you know, we were talking about religion. I asked my son, you know, Will you ever turn back? I said, what happens if we're here at this light and the skies open up and we see Jesus, you know, descending? He said, Mom, whatever you think is you think. But for me, that would be an alien, and those that you call an angel would be aliens. He said, I can't believe in what I don't see. I have a father who I know I have. I don't. I don't see. So how can I relate to a God that I don't see? How can I? And I taught them that, you know, yes, you have an earthly father, but you have a heavenly father who loves you so Mm -hmm. much more, you know. He said, how can that be? So he's extremely broken because this is what he experienced. Now, you have a Mm -hmm. lot of other young children in the church 
that are dealing with this but just don't know how to express themselves. And they're, they're made to be afraid. They're made to be shut up. You know, they're made mm-hmm. to say you have a place. And as you say, you know, um, some won't relinquish their titles, their position. And this mm-hmm. is the time where we want the, the generation of these young kids to feel a part. But the more that we um, disfranchise them is the more that they're going to seek to be a part outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Who will take responsibility? Yeah. We can't we can't blame the, the, the children. You know, someone mm-hmm. has to take the responsibility. You know, and what I've dealt with with my son, he's broken. Yeah. He's very, very broken and he will not um when I had brain surgery he 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 my mom said he flew to church, the same church that he turned his back against. Mm-hmm. You know, he went there to seek solace, to, to be around familiar people, but mm-hmm. it was fruitile for him. But he just needed comfort mm-hmm. that, you know, he thought the church would give him. But he walked mm-hmm. out empty. So he has a void mm-hmm. that he cannot fill because of, of what, what has happened, happened and how yeah. the church is just Definitely. so disorganized, mm-hmm. just so, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're double standard. And I went through that. Mm-hmm. I've experienced yeah. that. You know, their pastors flirting with me and I'm yeah. and I'm thinking yeah. you're on the pulpit you're preaching mm-hmm. but you you're watching me and and, and mm-hmm. I'm not blind I can see this mm-hmm. when you come out you 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 know you're giving me a hug and I'm standing like six feet from this hug because you want to embrace me and I'm like but you're the pastor of this church mm-hmm. And we see a lot of that going on now, you know, where pastors are being, you know, accused of, of molesting a child and all that is mm-hmm. happening. Pastor and their leaders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, very unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate situation. Very, very unfortunate. We have many persons who... I mean, have gone through these things with persons with whom they trusted. So the the, the idea of mentorship um, does come into play there in terms of how do we trust someone um, who we say um, is going to mentor us, right? And so it, mm-hmm. it's really prayerful. It has to be prayerful. And for your son now, um, I think for you, you have to really hold on to the promise, hold tightly to the promise that God says that he will bring our children home. And you have to believe that with all your heart. And you just have to keep praying for him that he will have his own encounter with Christ. And he will learn to forgive and let go, forget where the the, the church, the, the devil wants definitely to put people like that 
in the church because where else would he put them? Right there in the church is where he wants them so that he can dissuade other individuals. He can hurt others so that they can look at the church and say, no, this is not where I ought to be. So we know that this is a plan of the enemy to separate us, to, 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 um, to make you know, the symbol of the church seems so evil, but we know that we, um, just as how they made Christ look evil and they, and, and, and they, they could come up with all kinds of things against him. The church will stand. The church will stand. Your son will come back to Christ. You have to um, just keep the faith and you have to keep praying that he will have his own encounter with Christ. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Amen. Candy, for, for being so vulnerable and sharing. Yes, I heard someone else. This is Sister Clover, Sister Michelle. Um, Go right ahead. As I listened to um, the comments and the questions you asked, you know, I didn't grow up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, but I grew up in church, in the Sunday church. And when I accepted the Seventh-day Adventist truth, I realized a lot of things, you know. And one thing I realized that the devil goes to church. <laughs> you have a lot of persons in church who don't know the Lord yet. They don't, they are not converted yet. And so the enemy will use them to destroy our children. Mm-hmm. My aunt, she died um, 2019. She has been in this country, she and her husband, since 1964, 1965, respectively. They had um, five children back home before they came here and they have another one when they came here. And so their children started having their children. So they have grandchildren. And I remember one of my little cousins told me that one Sabbath, she said one, um, cause one Sabbath when um, grandma and grandpa wasn't at church, she said two of the church sisters went on the podium and called her out by name and um, described how she wasn't dressed properly. Now, as leaders in the church and seniors who are in the church, if there's a situation like that, you don't do that. That's not the way to address something like that. And that little girl has not been back to church and I am still praying and I encourage her you know, not to look on, you know, man, mm-hmm. man. To fallible. To mm-hmm. God. And if we, you know, brethren, I think when we read the scriptures, a lot of things go over our heads. We forget that not everybody in church are converted. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what their position and, you know, I heard Brother Patrick said something the other day recently in one of his presentations that, you know, a lot of persons, you know, would want to 
you know, to come in and to do this and to do that. But we have to be careful. Not everybody are converted. My mm-hmm. husband is a trained pastor, and I am sure I was married to the devil. And I say all of this to say that I think the Lord, because I could not believe that someone who knew the scriptures, who could quote the spirit of prophecy, would be living like the devil. So we, we as individuals, the onus is on us to know the Lord for ourselves. And we mm-hmm. cannot entrust our children to people. It doesn't matter. A lot of kids are being destroyed because just last year, a pastor back home in Jamaica has raped a sister's child, and he's somewhere up here. When the police was on his toes, he ran away. He's somewhere up here hiding. We have to be careful. These are the last days. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have to, by the grace of God, cover our children. That's all I have to say for now. Mm-hmm. Hello. Amen. Yeah. Um, Hello. Thank you, sis. Thank you, Sister Clover, for that comment. And, and for sharing that with us. Um, definitely solemn things for us to ta- think about and to take heed, to definitely take heed. Thank you. Um, go ahead, Sister Joseph. Good evening, everybody. Good Hello, evening. Go ahead. Yes, I can hear Hi. you. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I've been listening. And this type of topic, we, we, we should um, have them more often. Because this is what happened in the church, in our church. I don't know, maybe other churches, I mean denominations. But in our denomination, it seems that we hide this um, this type of thing because of our name, Adventist. And we don't want people to know that we have dirty laundry. We don't want people to know um, our garment is thin. Um, and then we don't see much. Sometimes, um, you know, if what happened in the, in, in the Catholic Church where we couldn't tell, you couldn't tell if uh, um, some, you know, I don't want to, it's not about religion, but they couldn't go to the parents and, and say a thing about, oh, I've been touched, I've been molested or whatever, because they would go and have you go, especially in Haiti, go wash your mouth with soap and water. You shouldn't say that if, you know, they don't believe you, whatever. So this is why some of them, they come and hide under the name. They just like wolf covered with um, lamb or I don't know if it's how you say it. I hope you you get my point. Um, they use the name because they have power. It's like, yes, they can do it. Yes, they can. And um, that's why we have to be vigilant with our children. We might have 10 members, I mean, 100 members in the church, only maybe 10%, 15% of them um, are really uh, seeking the Lord. Because we have to make a difference between between being a Christian and be, between being a, a church member, uh, somebody who is um, just there on the pew. Um, I think we that's a good thing. We are talking about it. We are not afraid. Mm-hmm. 
to say it for people, you know, it's only the Holy Spirit that will convert people. If they're going to come, if they're going to become an Adventist, it's not about what we say or what we don't say. Um, we should talk about it more often. We should, and I'm glad Bottom to Christ um, is doing it. Sometimes it takes just uh, a spark. Um, I know pastors who are homosexual, and I know I've seen someone on the air. I don't want to say where, and I don't want to give too much information about of I know a family, and then um, the not homo but bisexual, married and still doing what they're not supposed to do with. You, you you get my point. Um, I don't want the family to be on the line listening, um, so I'm not gonna say much. But this is painful to know it, and that make 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 us sometimes bitter um, if we are not careful. Because when you know the person, you see the person being a hypocrite on the pew. Uh, I mean, on the at the altar, and then you're sitting on the pew and then listening to them. Um, sometimes I rather just get up and leave. Um, you know, because you know, I'm not better, but they, you sh- when you are uh, the head, when you are in power, you should know better. So before I close, um, I know some of the, um, um, in Haiti at one point, they used to send um, volunteers, what do you call them? People who go to other countries for um, missionaries. Missionaries. Yeah, some of them would go there and then do stupid um, on 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 Christian, uh, Christ like um, uh, on nothing not that Christians should not be doing, but they become missionaries so they can hide and then they go to a third world country and they give clothes and they give food and they, you know, they do things and by the time you find out, it's too late. Mm. We have to speak up. We have to speak up, and I'm glad that this, this subject tonight was. Um, it, it is it's a lot going on inside the inner church. It is a lot. And it's not only us. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But we have to look at the the spark, you know, I mean, the, 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 the chunk on our own eyes before we can um, talk about others. Um, I hope what I'm saying, you understand what I, my, my point. Um, it's been too long. We've been hiding it for too long, not mm-hmm. saying anything, and we become as guilty as them. Mm-hmm. Amen. Th- thank you so much for sharing, Sister Joseph, because, you know, in the church, it's where a lot of parents or a lot of people put their guards down because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they are in a church. The children go running around in the church. You let your children go to the bathroom unassisted, You don't know who is outside there in the hallway, perhaps even watching them, right? So we have to be mindful of these things because there are wolves in sheep's clothing waiting and ready to attack. Go ahead, Sister Sandra. Yeah, because you know what? Children doesn't love to talk about um, uh, um, sexual stuff, especially when they're Mm -hmm. smart. And um, my daughter, I don't know, somebody did something to her in the church. I know, but she will not tell me what is it. She always said, I just don't like that person. I don't like that person. But she will not tell me what happened. But there's a lot of skeleton in the closet in the church. Because I can tell you this, 
One time I was coming at the door and the, a pastor shaped my hand and scratched into my hand middle. You know what that means when a man scratches mm-hmm. your hand middle. You understand? Right. Mm-hmm. And you think I mm-hmm. could go tell people in the church that? They would say I am up because everybody look up to this man. Everybody okay, look Sister up to Sandra, this man. I'm going to stop you there. Some of us may yes. know what that means, but since we're on here having this discussion, tell us what that means for those that may not know. If somebody comes up to you and scratch you in the middle of your hand, what does that yes, mean? Yes, it's a sexual attempt. It's a sexual attempt. Yes, it's a sexual attempt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ahead. know? And um, I couldn't go tell people that in the church because they would say I'm accusing this man because everybody look up to him in the church. But um, that was a part, that part is was when I was going back to the church. So he was like, somebody was giving me Bible study and stuff like that. And I, this mm-hmm. man would even show up at my house wouldn't, and, and didn't even call. One day I was coming from work, I left work. I did a short shift and I left work. And I wasn't driving that time. And when I was across the road, I saw that man was going over my house. And I was thinking, does he know somebody else in this building? So I said, okay, I'm going to watch. And I watched and he went in the elevator. I didn't get the elevator. I climbed the stairs. And I climbed the stairs and go up on my floor. And I didn't open the door to go on the floor. But I bent down and looked to see which door he was going. And he was standing at my door. And he didn't call that he was coming. You know? And, you know, these mm-hmm. things... Sometimes, as the, my sister said, uh, this is a good topic to, to talk because we don't talk about these things, especially in the Adventist church. And I was just lying there, and when I hear she come out, I was saying the same thing in my mind. And when I hear she come mm-hmm. out with it, I say, oh, my God, this is such a confirmation. We don't talk mm-hmm. about We have to watch our kids very, 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 very good because we do not know who is who in the church. And as Brother mm-hmm. Andrew said, you know, what he said, he said, um, when he interrupts Sister Merlin, what did he say? Try to remember. Sometimes my brain, like, um, just, what is what the people them have to remember where they are also right, coming from. Right, right, They have to remember where they're coming from, you know, and some people holding the pulpit like they're only more than some people. No, you have to give the children the opportunity. And some kids up there, like their parents put them up there, it's like they cannot move. You have to rotate. You have to give other kids the, 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 the privilege to, you know. So it, this is such a good topic, Sister Michelle, such a good topic because there's a lot of stuff going on in the church and people does not want to talk about it. Thank you. And, uh, hello? Amen. Hello? Yes, go ahead, Sister Joseph. Oh, yeah. And also, um, I want to go fast. Um, also, sometimes when we go, when we have this type of uh, topics, the time, because you don't know who you're going to, if you save one person from going through, um, you know, to that, it, your job is done. Just one person is too many to go through that. One pastor came for one one month evangelistic meeting, and he came and destroyed his own marriage and destroyed a, a, a non-baptized member's marriage. And... Um, what happened, he was having, uh, wasn't a good husband to the wife because he was messing around with other church members. He came from, um, um, you know, <laughs> some, I don't want to say where, but he came to U.S. to do the thing. 
um, from another big country to come here. Uh, he came here to, to do the evangelistic meeting. So the one lady that she baptized, and he ended up having an affair with her. She left the husband, and after, uh, I don't know how long after that, the wife, his wife now, the divorce. And then you know what? He's living with that member now. I don't know if now as now, but I know as, as of last year, he's living with that member. And then you know why I'm coming with uh, with this topic is because the church, they just um, just close their eyes and it's like, oh, you don't talk about the men of God. What kind of men of God would do that? I know we're mm-hmm. all human. It's like they give them, I don't know, in other cultures, it's like they give too much authority just because you, you, you bear the name doesn't make you um give you the authority or to 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 misuse or to to you know to use your power to do evil so and then if sometimes if you speak about certain things and some members they will come after you it's like you shouldn't be talking about certain things because he is the man of god he is the man of god same way we have a lot of female pastors who are lesbians and we don't talk about that. And, you know, um, at least one of them came out boldly and then say, okay, this is who I am, and then left the church. She was on the staff that day, too, when she gave her um, resignation. Um, but we, we just have, it's just we, it's like when you, you're sweeping, and then instead of getting, getting the garbage into the garbage can, and you just sweep it under the bed or under the table instead of, um, putting it out, and we need more time to explore and then talk to the kids. I was very strict when uh, leaving my kids with people. It doesn't matter if you're a church member. And my my daughter was insulted one Sabbath morning by the pastor because after we were done singing in the French church, we, I was taking her to the American church, and he stopped us. From there, he um, kept saying things, and my daughter was very uh, upset at the time she was 17 and never set foot into that conscious after that. So um, a lot of kids, a lot of church members, they are victim, being victim, victimized by the people in charge. This is even worse because they call themselves, you know, they give their name, men of God, the pastor. Some members, they, give, they treat them like they are God, even though they know what they're doing. Especially if they're doing the same thing, they're just, they're just ganging, gang, uh, ganging. I don't know how you said it. Um, uh, against the true church members, the true followers of Christ. I hope. I hope that um, God will change your heart. But if they don't, I know they will go to hell. It's too, too. I mean, to say that it's not tough, but that's why I said if they change, if they don't, then. Would be ashamed when they when they be burning, um, just like the others, because they should know better. To whom much is given, much is required. Okay. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Sister Joseph. Sister Michelle. Michelle. Um, okay, just one second. One second, Sister Sandra will take Sister Candy, and then Sister Sandra and Brother yeah. Patrick will be on in a couple of minutes just to say a closing word. Go ahead, Sister Candy. Okay. Um, I have a friend that I've been praying for. Um, she she has someone that she desperately wants to marry, and they've been 
they've 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 known each other for twenty seven years, but he's not at you know he's not a man of God, and and she's praying that he will eventually that the Lord will you know touch his heart and they will get married and what have you. But she said when she came into the church, she was taken Bible study, and then um, she got she had gotten baptized. They did not tell her, those that did Bible study, nor the pastor, no one told her that she was not supposed to have premarital sex. Um, and she didn't know this. And she said she didn't understand how no one did not tell her that, you know, this is something that as Adventists, you don't do until you are married. So she was with this person having, you know, relationships. And then when she found that out, when she found that out, she, you know, stopped that. But she just didn't understand. And that left me confused as to why would that not be um, something that would be discussed in, in in the church as part of your um, Bible study, not only the Bible study, but, you know, if if you're looking to get married, um, that they would tell you that, you know, you don't have premarital sex before getting married. So I kind of find that disturbing and, and, um, and this was not, this was a, they weren't counselors. They were elders that were given Bible study that did not tell her that, you know, um, you, you, you don't have premarital sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see, sometimes those things are glossed over because it's not something you talk about in the church, right? It's like, hush, hush, we don't mention about those things. And some people assume that you're supposed to know that. No, like your friend, you need to spell out everything. She is a new Christian. She's a new convert. Speak about everything that she may encounter. But sometimes it's just, sister, it's about getting somebody in the pool, it's about the number, and they're baptized, and that's it. Sometimes we need the care. Sometimes people need the mentors, brethren, the mentor mm. to really take the hand of these individuals and lead them. Sister Sandra will take your comments. The last comment, then we're going to go to Brother Patrick. Go ahead, Sister Sandra. Yeah, you're hearing it, yes. Um, a few yeah. years ago, I have an encounter in the church. It was a spiritual one. There was a new pastor that comes to our church. And um, while he was up on the pulpit, um, there there was a sister, they were doing the, the, um, the prayer, you know, when everybody goes to the altar and pray, you know. And Bridget, let me tell you something. I was kneeling down and we were praying. I had my eyes closed. And when I look, I see scores of men running off the pulpit. All the men up there was running off the pulpit till I could see like jacket flying behind them. And I'm thinking, why are they running off the pulpit and the, the woman is praying? And when I opened my eye, I put my hand over my mouth because I was shocked. It was not physical. It was spiritual. And until today, day, I just cannot understand. But that's what I see. And I know it was not something good. And I was just blown away. 
that was what I really wanted to say. Yeah. So in, in all, what do you think the Lord is showing you in that vision, sister? Yeah, something wasn't right about that. Well, I don't I don't want to judge anybody. I don't want mm-hmm. something was just not right about the pulpit. You understand? Because mm-hmm. the woman was mm-hmm. praying and scores of men was running off. But I, in my mind, I was thinking they were running for real. So I opened my eyes. And then I, I just put my hand over my mouth because I was shocked. I said, oh, my God, it's not physical. It was spiritual. Yeah, mm. but, you know, to know the term, I don't really know. And, you know, the Lord, it's, it's, it's a lot of things going on. And, you know, a lot of things is pushed under the carpet and stuff like that. And we only have to pray because the Bible said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God comes to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. So no matter what, we have to look at Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So. Amen, amen, amen. Jeremiah 3.15 says, and Mm -hmm. I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's what we need to pray for, brethren. That's what we need to pray for. Okay. Hello? Okay, amen. Yes, my sister. Can I say something quickly? Hi, this is Sister Kay. Yes, very, very quickly. I would like prayer for our church at West End Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the Atlanta area because we've had something on the news about three weeks ago. In fact, it was last month. Somebody was sexually abused over there, and it came on the news. I was watching the news Friday evening last month, and, and it came on the news, and it almost shocked me. I mean, it actually, it shocked me. And it was someone who was um, who was sexually abusing um, a little girl or other children that was going to the aftercare or summer camp. They, I was told that they they finally um, apprehended that person, and the person may be in jail right now. But they've been sexually abusing this child for about three years or so, and there may be more children. And it was on the news. I couldn't believe it. I said, "Oh, just to pray for the church." And so far, it has not been back on the news. You know. Um, it was just so, ah, uh, Lord, so embarrassing and yet, you know, hurtful for the child and or children, you know, who've experienced this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thank God for this program tonight, this ministry, and this um, special topic tonight. It's such a great, great blessing that we need to talk about things that we normally um, don't talk about. We do need to address those issues as we are doing. So I thank God for all of you on the line that's addressing this issue. Have a good night. Amen. Thank you, Sister Sister Kate, for sharing. We're just going to welcome Brother Patrick to the the line here. And Brother Patrick, what can we do about this situation that's happening? It's all over the church. You know, it's affecting children. It's affecting growing women. You know, it, it has no stoppage. So what can we do as people of God when addressing okay. this situation? Okay. Um, you see, what's bothering the church is secrecy. And the secrecy comes from the home. I see several testimonies, but there was one testimony that stood out for me was when a family came with their youngest sister to be delivered because she was depressed. 
and we found out that she was molested by their uncle. And then when we found that out, all the other siblings started to cry because they were molested by the same uncle, but they said nothing. I want to tell you that that's kind of the root of what goes on within the church, where a lot of us were molested by our uncle, cousin, fathers, and what we do, we sit and we bury it and keep this secret. And the devastation comes out on our children, it comes out in the church family, because we sweep it under the carpet. And I think it's a pride thing. You know, we try to cover our family and say it would be a disgrace to the family. So you live in pain and in secrecy. And I think until we start to start speak, it's going to be a heavy weight. Because I've talked to many people over 20 plus years. And this thing is heavily in the church and in the family, especially certain cultures. And we continue to hide it. A lot of people get pregnant and don't tell who the father is. And I've, I've done probably 50, 60 cases like this, where you'll never tell who the father is because you don't want nobody to know because the father is either married or something. But when you think about it, if you have a child for somebody who's married, you know, the curse going to come on the child is not being wanted wrongful birthright, all different spell. So until God's people start to come out like, like David and say, you know what, I messed up. How can we mm -hmm. fix it? And talk to the children. If you don't do that, it, it creeps back to the church. And people think that the church is this haven where I let my guard down and everybody is perfect. Satan comes to church. Judas was round the table with the 12 disciples doing miracles when Judas was at peace. Until we recognize that Satan comes to church. So when you go to church with a sweet little baby, don't give your baby to no little girl to go change them. Because that little girl may be a molester. I've seen that. I've witnessed that. And I've confronted that. I've witnessed where there's pedophiles in the church. And you know what? The single mother in the church, he targets to help you around the house. I'll come and cut your grass. Well, you know what? He's targeting your son. But some of us are so blinded by our trials and doing 10 jobs that we not even recognize that the devil is cutting your grass and looking an opportunity to molest your son. Until we recognize that the devil comes to church and the only example is Jesus. The pastor is under attack. So when you hear about pastor doing things, they are even under more attack more than anybody else. So we need to pray, and we don't need to say, why did the church, and look what happened in the church. Because you know what? We're living in this world where the devil is active. We have to be vigilant. A lot of us are sitting in secrecy, and that's what's killing us. So until we're ready to open up, and don't trust anybody. Don't let your guard down when you get to church because this is the church. Well, hello, somebody. Judas is sitting at the front bench. Until we recognize that, we're going to have issues. 
Amen. So it starts with the family. The secrecy, brethren, is what we need to address, the secrecy. So, brethren, it is has been a wonderful Bible study. We praise God for using Sister Marilyn in such a powerful way in regards to the story in the book of Acts, talking about Paul and um, and and John Mark and Bar- Barnabas, I believe. <laughs> and um, it opened up to uh, another situation that we're facing in the church, brethren, with mentors, mentors taking young children, saying that they're mentoring them, and then they're sexually uh, uh, molested. So many things happening in our church. And as Sister Kate says, we need to pray for the church. We need to pray for the pastors, deacons, deaconesses. Every single individual that takes part in the church needs to be prayed up. Because we don't know. The devil is sitting sometimes on the pulpit. Look at the vision Sister Sandra had. There's something wrong with that pulpit, brethren. And we need to be vigilant. We need to be sober because our adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. So as we close out in prayer, if you know somebody that is going through something, if all of a sudden you've seen a child becoming withdrawn, doesn't want to go to church, something is going on. And there's another thing, brethren, that we tend to do with our children is that we tend to sometimes push our children onto people. And sometimes the child is like, no, I don't want to go, or I don't want to go with them. Take heed. Don't push your children onto people like that. Let them stay with you. Let them stay in the same pew as you. Take heed, brethren. Take heed. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we glorify you, we praise you, we thank you, we magnify your name for the Bible study this evening. It has stirred our hearts indeed, and we are forever changed. And there's so many things going on in the church. You see your church. You know the pastors, elders, deacons, every single individual that holds a high position. And we're praying in the name of Jesus that they will be exposed. That secrecy will come to an end. Parents will be more vigilant and sober as they go to church. That children will speak up and there will be justice. You are God. And those children that have been hurt in the church, my Jesus, make a way for them to come back. Not looking at man, but looking at the face of a loving God who wants them to be where he is. Please, King of glory, have mercy upon us. Have mercy, I pray. Give us the strength to endure these end times, to see all these manners of evil and wickedness. We need your strength. We need your love. We need your boldness and authority as well. May you grant us all divine wisdom and understanding more than we ourselves can even ask. You give it to us, Holy Spirit, so that we may discern the times in which we are in and discern the individuals in whom we break bread with. Thank you, oh my God, for what you have done tonight. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, brethren, we praise God for the Bible study again. We will be back online tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. We will be back online at 5 a.m. And please remember to mark your calendars. We have our prayer and fasting starting June 1st to the 21st. And um, more details are to follow. So just mark your calendars in the meantime. June 1st to the 21st is our prayer and fasting. And please, brethren, we still are supporting those two families, the Vernon family in Jamaica and Debbie Ann in St. Lucia. We need um, to come together to support them financially so the Vernon family can start building again. And Debbie Ann and her children will have the support. They have the food, the clothes holding all the necessities that they require. So brethren, as the Holy Spirit bids, please help these families financially. I know it's hard for a lot of people, but the little, if we all give a little, it will amount to much. Amen. So be blessed, family, and have a wonderful night. Happy Thursday again, and the Sabbath is right around the corner. Praise the Lord. I'm Sister Michelle signing off from Button to Christ Ministries. What does it take to be free? Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. We hope that you were blessed. Feel free to visit our website at buntochrist.com for more content and information. Also, feel free to contact us at buntochrist70 at gmail.com with your prayer requests or any questions you may have. May God richly bless you, and we'll see you next time.